Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to a very strange and unusual Illegal Motion college football podcast. Uh, Due to a horrible ear condition for Matt, uh, he's sidelined. And our coach, the offensive coordinator, also waylaid. We are like the Iowa State team at Ohio where half the team got food poisoning and they were all puking on the sidelines. We are short staffed right now but uh it's an awesome weekend of college football so we wanted to get at least a little bit of content out there so the third amigo in the second city josh cook rolling here on the illegal motion podcast Uh, i don't know if this counts as our official 319th episode if it does that's awesome because iowa city's three-digit area code is the 319 which makes sense anyway We are here, I am, and you are listening, that's the we, we are here to talk about the fourth week of this young college football season. As always, we are brought to you by betonline.ag. They have every type of activity you can think of when it comes to betting on these games. They have money lines, spreads, you name it, over-unders. They got it. So go on Go over there, check out what they got, and uh, and find a way to uh, to play if that's your thing. All right, so we normally start with a uh, with a one big thing, and it's supposed to be a three way thing, but it's just a solo right now. Um, but I do want to talk about something that Matt was going to talk about if he was not way late, and that is the unfortunate unfortunate passing of the Dartmouth football coach. Um, so. If you've been following the story at all, uh, Buddy Tevens um, got hurt way back in like March. Uh, um, he was riding his bike and uh, got hit by a car and, um, you know, was way late in the hospital, going through a lot of recovery. It was a long road back and he eventually succumbed to his injuries. Um, and we talked a little bit about it last week that Dartmouth was starting their season without him, uh, but we didn't really talk about what he meant to the game. So uh, Coach Stevens was a Dartmouth alum. Uh, He played there and then he obviously coached there, um, but his coaching acumen was really impressive. So he did two stints there. Uh, He coached there for a while, had a really, really nice run. And then he actually got some higher value jobs. He, you know, he coached at Stanford and Tulane, uh, didn't quite click in the higher ranks and then went back to Dartmouth. And his second stretch at Dartmouth was really impressive. He rebuilt the program basically he he kind of did what bill snyder did he he brought to he brought dartmouth back originally stepped away came back 
rebuilt it. Uh, he's Dartmouth's all-time winningest coach, but he's also an innovator. Um, he did not want there to be full tackling in practice. He thought that was you know a risk to the student athlete. Didn't see much point in it. Used technology. He used uh, robot tackling technique to uh, to learn how to tackle. Um, he also looked outside the box. So like probably the most famous example of this is Mike Leach was never a football player or anything. Buddy Tevens looked for people that had like great minds that could coach this game. And he brought them on, including some of the first female assistant coaches. So his passing, uh, very, very, very um, shocking. We knew he was in a pretty rough condition with that, with that bike accident. Um, but there had been hope that since he made it this far since March, that uh, that maybe he would have his condition improve, but um, he ultimately passed away. And, and that's pretty sad, obviously. So uh, I hope I did coach justice. Um, Matt probably would have been a lot more eloquent with all that. So the, uh, the second big takeaway that I have for you all comes from our own coach. And that is the very real concern about what in the world is happening with Alabama. And obviously there had been some cracks, but like uh, Bryce was a pretty good quarterback. So kind of um, glossed over some of those. And I think we all just thought it's Alabama's business as usual. They'll just go, but their quarterback play has just been really, really, really suspect, obviously. And then their turnover in terms of assistant coaches, just, you know, the joke about it's the uh, the Nick Saban coaching center to like learn how to coach again. Well, once you lose that many coordinators, after a while, it's going to start to to catch up to you. So you know some misevaluation. Um, I think the some of the COVID recruiting there was not a lot of high school tape and stuff. We've seen a few programs have some high ranking recruits a few years ago not really pan out. So I, I think that combined with the loss of assistance and combined with just, this is not a, a vintage receiver core, the, the offensive line, not a vintage uh, Alabama offensive line. And it really showed against South Florida, a team that we really did not expect a lot from. And, you know, obviously Alabama won, won the game 17 to three, but uh, you know, you look at the passing numbers, 10 of 23 for 107 yards. I mean, that's just, that, that's bad against any level of competition if you're Alabama, whether it's a uh, rebuilding team like UCF or a doormat in the ACC, or God forbid, if they did that against, say, LSU, Ole Miss, that game's coming up. So yeah, lots of lots of concern over there for Alabama. And then my big takeaway from the weekend was over in my beloved Big Ten. Um, kind of an interesting development here for, for some of the top teams. And if you excuse me, I'm I'm battling a little bit of a cold myself. So we are we are great, right? Isn't this amazing video? Aren't you so glad we do a, a, a video video podcast? Betonline.ag just must absolutely love us. Anyway, over in the Big Ten, um Michigan has been a little bit of a weird 
team here to start the season. And I don't know if they are using these games as like glorified scrimmages uh, and just kind of being a little disinterested, trying to, um, you know, a little bit like last year, they kind of had some slow games to start the season before they really turned it around and just started dominating everyone. But through three games, um, they've won 30 to three, 35, seven and 31, six, which all impressive defensive performances, obviously. But then you put some names to who they're playing East Carolina, UNLV and Bowling Green. I think most people were expecting these games to be like in the 40s, maybe even the 50s. And Michigan's just not getting there, really. And it's not for like lack of trying. So, for instance, their uh, UNLV game, their their single highest point output, they only had 21 points in the first half. It, it was kind of a slog. They only had seven points in the first quarter. It was 7 nothing after the first quarter. Um, and then you you look at the the box score and it's like Blake Corum, 15 carries, 80 yards, you know, kind of like he couldn't hit the century mark against UNLV. Like you sort of expected them to be up like 21 nothing after the first quarter type thing. So, um, you know, Michigan's kind of had some some herky jerky play um, offensively um, in that UNLV game, even with putting up that many points they had a turnover on downs uh they started the second half with a punt um they had a second punt uh after their their first score in the second half so they threw an interception up 35 nothing which obviously didn't matter but gets this idea that things are just like they're not as like well-oiled a machine as i think we all expected them to be three games into the slate uh and that brings me to something that I'm really excited about. So um, I know I know in the past we've done kind of like it by time zone. I'm not really doing that. I'm just picking some games that jumped out at me. And one of the games that weirdly has jumped out to me is this upcoming Michigan-Rutgers game. And that, that's why I wanted to talk about Michigan in my big takeaways because they're hosting that Rutgers team. Rutgers is 3-0 also, but Rutgers has been a pretty stingy defense as well. They gave up seven points to both Northwestern and Temple. They gave up a little bit more 16 to Virginia Tech, but they've actually played tougher opponents than Michigan. And they're basically killing these teams by the same amount. So is Rutgers like, you know, building something like is Rutgers going to win seven, eight games this year? Who knows? Is Michigan a little overrated or like, is Michigan just going to, turn it on now that it's conference play, beat Rutgers by like 40. It's a really interesting game in the big house this weekend, just because Rutgers has kind of exceeded expectations. I thought Rutgers would start the year 3-0, and but I did not have them being three lopsided victories. And for Michigan, I had them starting 3-0, and but I didn't have them being kind of stuck in the low 30s for their offense. So I'm really, really curious about that Rutgers Michigan game. It it's it, it stands out to me. I'm like I said, I'm excited for it. So uh what else is on the slate that here at Illegal Motion are we excited about? 
Well, there's uh, a little game also featuring a Big Ten team. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's uh, Michigan State against Maryland. No, I'm just kidding. It's the Ohio State game, obviously. Ohio State at Notre Dame. It's a top 10 showdown. And this is a really intriguing game for me because despite being top 10 teams, they haven't really like lived up to their potential, right? So um, Ohio State kind of... Uh, a flat offensive performance from what we expected against Indiana. Indiana did a really good job of gobbling up a lot of clock and shortening that game. Um, and then the following week, Ohio State eh, kind of put up, you know, 30 points. It was like, whatever. Okay. They exploded for 63 against Western Kentucky. Um, is that the real Ohio State team? What about Notre Dame? Notre Dame's 4-0. They really haven't played anybody. Their toughest test was at NC State. Um, but NC State lost so many players from last year, we all kind of expect them to take a step back. But anyway, that NC State game was a really, really close game. Um, Notre Dame did not look like a top 10 team against NC State. So which of these teams can hit that potential? I think they both have a really high ceiling, but so far through three games for Ohio State and four games for Notre Dame, they clearly haven't hit their full potential so that game rightfully the uh the cream of the crop for this slate you cannot miss that game it's a top 10 game at touchdown jesus i mean come on that's that's college football fans absolute dream uh another game 230 slot this one looks awesome that's obviously central i'm rocking the central time zone um the colorado oregon game I, I don't know where to even begin with this one. You you have a two nationally ranked teams. It, it's still early in the season, but it legitimately has Pac-12 implications if Colorado continues to be as good as they have been. Um, Colorado, we know the whole hoopla, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Uh, we were all kind of a little suspect. We didn't think you could really build a team uh, overnight like they did. I think we all thought Colorado would be improved, but I certainly did not expect them to start 3-0. and I, I would have had them losing to TCU. Um, not a surprise they beat Nebraska, not a surprise they beat Colorado State, but definitely um, a, a surprise to get that TCU game and the way they have done it. Now, TCU lost a lot of players. Nebraska, rebuilding. Colorado State, about 500 penalties. This is by far Colorado's toughest test. Um, it's on the road in a very nasty stadium, Autzen Stadium. Will Colorado get exposed? Will will they get waxed? And um, obviously, they, they are missing their X factor, their modern day now Kinnick, who's playing both sides of the both sides of the ball, obviously. They're in Travis Hunter. But they've had really good quarterback play from Coach's son, Baby Prime. I don't know if he has a, a nickname yet. But yeah, they're getting they're getting really good play from more than just Travis Hunter. But what will it be? It's the great mystery. I, I think people that are doubting coach prime are waiting for the other shoe to drop and kind of licking their lips, hoping that Oregon lays it on them. And then there's 
people like me, you know, I, I was kind of a doubter. I, I, I didn't think that coach prime was a bad coach per se. I just didn't know if you could turn a team around through the transfer portal seemingly overnight. Um, and you know, who knows, maybe Colorado will, will end the season three and nine and we'll be like, Oh, that was kind of funny when they were three and oh nationally ranked, but it, it's electric, right? These are the intriguing games and being the Iowa Homer that I am, I can't help but think way back in the 2002 season, Iowa went undefeated in the Big Ten. And we were kind of this like, who are they? We were coming off an Alamo Bowl win. No one really like knew what what is this Iowa team? Are they a true contender or not? We go to the big house. Everyone expects Michigan to kill us. And we flip the script. We gave Michigan one of their worst home defeats um, in school history that game was our coming out party. It was, you know, our moment to say, Hey, we've turned this thing around. Iowa football's back. Maybe Colorado gets that this week, you know, maybe this time next week we're, we're talking about, Oh my God, can you believe Oregon was a top 10 team? That one is appointment TV. I'm so excited for that one. And I'm really glad that the big 10 slate that's a terrible game during 2.30 slot. There we go. I can watch that guilt-free because uh, with the blog, BigTenAccounting.com, I should kind of be watching Big Ten football, but I won't be at 2.30. Uh, another game out in the Pac-12, it's the Pac-2 title game, as people have been calling it. Nationally ranked Oregon State, 14th in the country, at 21st ranked Washington State there in the Palouse. Um, I just like I, I'm going to watch the game, obviously, but like I just feel bad for both programs. Um, I hope they all have fun and I hope they all feel really good about the game. But the uh, the fact of the matter is, if you haven't watched Oregon State yet, you're missing out on a really, really fun team. Some of the stuff they're doing with DJU is amazing they, they had like a backwards lateral screen pass out to an offensive lineman to score a touchdown last week um really fun innovative stuff uh taking a page from oregon and bo nicks they're just having fun out there um washington state if you haven't seen them um well they they kind of made wisconsin look soft um washington state kind of looked like a bully against the badger offensive line um so kind of kind of interesting with this team it, and now i know it was a couple of weeks ago but if you don't remember that wisconsin washington state game uh here's a few stats for you so um wisconsin 29 carries for just 91 rushing yards they really struggled they held braylon allen to 20 yards in that game um and then you know they they won the um the all-important like turnover battle kind of a big deal they had three takeaways against wisconsin just you know completely completely embarrassed wisconsin to be quite honest with you wisconsin just looked really really lost out there and um you know it was 24 to 9 at halftime and Wisconsin made like a little push there. They scored 13 points in the third quarter. But even with that, never fold in doubt. And I know Matt felt the same way. 
Like it did not feel like this Wisconsin team was coming back in that one. So Washington state, like they're just kind of a nasty team. And, and if they can get those takeaways again against Oregon state, that that's going to be a fun one. So got those, got those two pac 12 games. Can't miss TV. Got that Notre Dame game. Can't miss TV. And then finally, I can't not talk about Iowa. We're playing at Penn state. Um, this is the 19th anniversary of one of my all-time favorite Iowa Penn State games, the infamous six to four game. And if you don't remember that one, because well, it was 19 years ago. Uh, basically, Penn State was like not a very good team in 2003, 2004. Uh, they went 11 and one in 2005. But there's this weird like two-year dip under the Paterno uh, regime where they just really struggled, but they struggled offensively. They had a nasty defense. It was back with that defensive coordinator, Bradley, not, 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 not the bad defensive coordinator, not, not the one in prison, but uh, Tom Bradley was their defensive coordinator. They had nasty defense, but that year their offense was averaging like seven and a half points in big 10 play. So it was a complete defensive struggle. Iowa had a really good defense, but a very classic Ference offense were sort of up and down. So it was going to be a defensive shootout, haha, already. But then Mother Nature threw a little wrinkle at us, and it was just awful weather. Wind, like you couldn't imagine. Rain, like you couldn't imagine. It was just disgusting. And quickly became apparent that it was going to be a defensive struggle. Um, <laughs> the first points of the game were scored when Iowa snapped the ball over their punter's head to give Penn State a 2-0 lead. Um, Iowa hit two first half field goals to go up six to two at halftime. And then the second half was just nothing. Um, now Iowa in the fourth quarter, eight minutes left. They are at their own goal line. So it's like a fourth and 18 from like the zero yard line is what the box score says. We're at like the one inch line. Well, if you punt it, you're going to get Penn state ball. Uh, Penn State field position basically inside the field goal territory already. So you're basically conceding a field goal, quite possibly a touchdown. Um, not a lot of room to operate, probably could be a block. So Ferentz calls safety, says just snap it to the punter, punter, go out the back of the end zone. That's what Iowa does. And, and we're like, there's eight minutes left. A field goal beats you now. Like we could lose the game eight to six. But uh, but we didn't. Actually, it'd be seven, seven to six. Math. Anyway, I digress. So Iowa takes the safety with eight minutes left. We do the free kick. It flips the field position. Very next play, Penn State throws an interception. We run off like five minutes, punt it. Two plays later, Penn State fumbles. We recover, eat up the rest of the clock, win the game six to four. Infamous, infamous game. That's like the classic Ferencian six to four victory. Um very, very nice win. Iowa goes on to uh, to be like co-champions of the Big Ten. Uh, next year, Penn State comes back a lot better. Like I said, they go 11-1 in 2005. Anyway, why am I bringing all this stuff up? Well, Iowa's playing back at Penn State again. Mother Nature is whipping up a storm. The forecast for the game ain't pretty. Uh, Penn State has a really good defense. Iowa's offense uh not quite as good or as improved as i was hoping 
Uh, they just lost Luke Lachey for the season Achilles injury. Um, he is the next uh, tight end to be drafted for Iowa. So we thought uh, I, I feel awful for the kid. Just, you know, what a, what a terrible, terrible injury luck to have. Um, so I was going to have to kind of figure a few things out. They do have Eric all uh, the Michigan transfer. He's looked really good. So he slides up to T E one, uh, but tight end two through three, four, uh, not, not quite as well established there. Um, so it's going to be another real grind. I think, um, you know, Penn state has the offensive talent to, to blow us out, but, uh, but between the weather and Iowa's pretty rock solid defense, um, the over-under is only 40 for a reason. And Penn State's defense is no slouch either. Penn State comes in with a really, really good defense. The interesting thing for the Penn State perspective is last week they beat Illinois 31-17. Or excuse me, 31-14. It was a 17-point game. But uh, so they win this game. And it's like not actually a very impressive win because Illinois couldn't hold on to the ball. Illinois had five turnovers. Uh, so Penn State was held to like 400 yards, under 400 yards, and only 31 points, which doesn't sound all that great. But when you factor in that Illinois had five turnovers, usually when there's a five to nothing turnover margin, you're expecting it to be one of those like 40, 50 point games. And Penn State just didn't get there. Um, Penn State's running attack has been a real issue the last few years. And it's definitely gotten better this year, but it's still like not amazing. So like their leading rusher, um, Allen has a five yard per pop average, which is okay. Like, you know, it's not terribly explosive, um, but you know, he's a nice running back. He just hasn't like, you know, ripped off some of those runs that you would really expect him yet. And then their backup singleton 4.3. So, you know, between their two leading rushers, they're at like 360 yards and only averaging like five yards a carry. It's fine, but I don't think it's what coach Franklin was expecting. So as a result, um, Drew Allar, their quarterback, uh, he's been called on to do a lot. He's been called on to do a lot. He's got 737 passing yards already through three games. Um, and I just don't think that that's what the balance Penn State really was hoping for this year. So um, I don't know exactly why, um, you know, why Aller's attempting 33 passes against Illinois. Um, not sure, sure why that's the case, uh, other than the offensive line just not blocking and creating running lanes that they we're really hoping for yet um, in terms of that Illinois game. How did Penn state look running the ball? They looked fine. They ended with 164 yards on 40 carries, but their leading rusher, Allen again, 54 yards on 13 carries. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not like jumping up for joy. Right. So this Penn State team, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, you know, obviously the talent 
talent to talent, Penn State's the more talented team. I think that's fair to say. Uh, Coaching-wise, you know, Franklin's game good coach, Kirk Ferentz, really, really long track record, 25 years, 20-plus years track record. Um, So the head coaching matchup, you know, is a good one. Obviously, Penn State has a pretty big advantage at offensive coordinator. Um, Everyone does against Iowa. Spoiler alert. Um, But then you get to defensive coordinator, and it's like, you know, Phil Parker for Iowa. He's been pretty dang good. So um, it comes down to really, like, if Mother Nature is kicking up something fierce, like it's looking like it's going to, then – who knows? <laughs> Who knows? 19th anniversary of six to four. Um, if my worry is if Penn State's offense gets going, it'll be a little bit like the Michigan or Ohio State game last year where the defense just hits a wall. They get too tired. Second half, play start getting ripped off longer and longer. Um, and and that's all she wrote. Um, but, uh, but it's going to be a fun one. And obviously, you know, I was my team, so I'm going to be glued to my chair for that. So, all right. Uh, thank you all for, for bearing with me as I get a little bit of content. We didn't want to go a week without, uh, at least making an appearance because, you know, we care about this show. We care about college football and, we hope that this is a fun show for all of you, however you listen to us, whether you're watching us or or in the car driving to work or whatever. We like to do that. So um, with that, I'm going to oh, oh, my God, I buried the lead. I'm, I'm in control of the show and I buried my own lead. Arkansas. At LSU, little rivalry game. They play for a trophy that has the two states shaped together. We know LSU's issue. They got blown out by Florida State, but they've looked uh, a little bit better the last two weeks. They dropped 70 on Grambling. Okay, not much to say about that. But then they absolutely just made Mississippi State look like a JV team. They just absolutely crushed the uh, Bulldogs down there in Stark Vegas. Uh, so they're 2-1. and one. Arkansas looked dominant against Western Carolina. Not quite as dominant against Kent State. And it had a really interesting back and forth loss to BYU. Both teams come in two and one. Uh, Probably not the biggest rival for other team for each other. I I think Arkansas, even though they don't really play them very often, probably looks back at some of those old Southwest Conference rivalries. Uh, There was a famous game between Arkansas and Texas way back in the Nixon administration. Don't get Arkansas fans talking about that one. Um, So I don't know if Arkansas really considers LSE to be their biggest rival, but hey, they play for a trophy. It's going to be an interesting game. KJ Jefferson for Arkansas. He can do a lot out of that quarterback position. Can he do it against the LSU defense, though? And that's that's kind of going to be the story of that game. All right, I'm signing off for real. Thank you for bearing with a very bare bones show. Uh, Appreciate you watching us, listening to us. Appreciate betonline.ag giving us some sponsorship. Uh, But we will be back next week, full strength. That's the plan at least. And enjoy the weekend. Go Hawks. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.